I am unashamed. What about you? You know, when you think, how do you know someone really? There's been a lot of movies about that. You know, how do you really know someone? I think when you think about this in the light of Jesus, since it's based on faith, and you have the red letters, which is what we're doing every week going through John, it's hard to grasp the entire weight of who God is. He's, he's too big. And you you have these red letters, and you think, well, I, you know, I'll read the book of John, I got it. But it doesn't really work that way. That's why this thing is a growing faith. And when I hear, when I saw the sermon title for Sunday morning, Tommy Emmons, I think the title was The Day God Died. I thought he's fixed to talk about the crucifixion here. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even go duck hunting. I, I was preparing my mind to hear this. And it's always, you know, when you just focus on the cross and the, and what he did, and you've heard him do this before. Mm-hmm. I think it was 20 years ago. <clears throat> yeah, I called him because I was like, you know, I <clears throat> I plan our sermon series and for me and Mike, and then sometimes Tommy or Jace or Dad or somebody else will kind of pinch it in there every once in a while. So I'm looking at the whole end of the book of John, and so I'm kind of seeing how this is going to lay out through the end of the year. And when I saw that, you know, this crucifixion text in John 19, I was like, I got Tommy's got to preach this sermon. You know, so I was, I was mm-hmm. hoping he would. So I texted him, and I said, hey, I want you to preach on the date, you know, last Sunday. And uh, on the crucifixion, I said, you, you preached a sermon at White's Road. It's been at least 25 years ago, and I still remember it. And the I, impact that it had I on I was me. there. I yeah. remember it. What he found was— Then he said, Tommy said, what did I say? Yeah. <laughs> he, was not, he was 25 years probably ago. Probably what I would have said. <laughs> but he took a, a doctor who is a believer who knows about the human body. Because to us, and, and you know, when you think about— people dying on a cross we, we don't do that over here well so think, and it hasn't been done for you know thousands of years I yeah mean. i don't think we've ever done that right i mean i'm sure there's been a few cases but he had a medical account of actually what happened during a roman crucifixion so there's a lot of medical terminology but boy it, it's uh it's a graphic it, it is and was a graphic depiction of each stage of John 19, of Jesus right. being hung on a cross or a human being, what would happen to your body? From the <clears throat> nails going through your hands and both feet, a nail going through both feet, where then you would have trouble exhaling, you know, and that's why you'd have to raise yourself off the nail. When I mean, you start thinking about that, it just it makes you kind of kind of queasy. Well, when you tie in the fact that he did this for my sin, the God of the universe, it is just a sobering yeah. time. Right. I mean, it, there was a lot of sniffles. I mean, it took about five minutes, but just going through the flogging process. Yeah. And so that was the basis of what he did. And at the end, which I thought what is what made it great, is he went through the seven statements you can go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at the end. They all have the crucifixion. They all have the burial. They all have the resurrection for you new in the faith. And he took the seven statements that he made, and he, and he said a, you know, a quick little comment on each one. After he had already got the medical diagnosis for what happened during the process, and then he ended it with, he, he asked four questions, and I thought they were significant because, By the way, <clears throat> you you can go to wfrchurch.org and look at our you know, archived sermons and see this sermon for yourself. So that's always an option for those of you that like to go and check it out. Well, I'm looking for these these four statements. Oh, it, it was a simple illustration, but he said, if you ask somebody, did Jesus die for mankind, people would say, well, yeah. And then he said, second question, are you a part? of mankind, you'd say, well, yeah. So now this is after you heard this graphic depiction of the amount of pain and suffering that went on for mankind. But then it said, then he said, so he died for my sin. You know, I'm 
he died for mankind. Yeah, I'm part of mankind. Well, now we've gotten down to my sins, which if you start going through your mind, memory serving, the things we, we did so this would happen. Correct. So then his fourth question was, so did your sins kill Jesus? It was a real sobering thought, especially after you hear mm-hmm. how the, it happened, how yeah, it went down. And, you know, I'm telling you, I, I, don't, I don't see how that doesn't move you in some way when you tie in the evidence of the guilt of our sin. Yeah. Which I've heard Phil speak many times. One of the evidences that there is a God is why we feel guilty, especially the first time we commit a sin. Who took, whether you believe or not, you think I probably shouldn't have done that, or that mm. in your mind you didn't even have to vocalize it. Now, once you do it a few times, the guilt starts to subside. Yeah, that's why your conscience, at first, it condemns you. Then let it ride a little bit. It accuses you. Then it mm-hmm. then it says, "Well, wait now. Well, everybody else is doing it. I mean, it's, it defends you or confuse or, or, or you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and unless you're convicted, you're not going to do anything about it. I mean, no. that's that's always the situation. One well, one of the things that reasons I wanted Tommy to to preach that sermon, Jace, is because you know Tommy spent his, his whole life in education. And he teaches Bible at, at our local Christian school. And <clears throat> probably one of the hardest groups to motivate day in and day out is teenage you know, people. And that's why he's very emotional. He's a good illustrator. And that's why I love his preaching um, when he hits it because it does. He gets to the heart of the matter. And I think it's just because he's good experience and he's a good speaker. But what was interesting to me, we, we talked about this a little bit last time, leading up to the crucifixion. <clears throat> is that Jesus was basically abused by every group. You know, it started with the memory he goes for the high priest and they're slapping him in the face and hitting him and you know, it, it starts there. Mm-hmm. So every stop of the way, then he goes to Pilate, and so Pilate's thinking, well, if I you know, if we just give him a good beating, a good Roman beating, then that should be enough for these bloodthirsty people. But, but of course it wasn't. Then he sends him out, ships him over to Herod. We read about that in Luke twenty two. And then Herod's guys put a robe on him and just beat him some more. And then he goes back, and he finally gets convicted by you know Pilate, who's trying to wash his hands. And this and all is that. this is before we get to the flogging, which he went through that. Yep. Which is why they would do the thirty nine or the forty lashes minus one because they were basically had figured out a system of brutality where anything over about 39 lashes is going to kill you. So they didn't want to kill you, but they wanted to make you feel like you were going to die. That's... They were experts in, in distributing pain yeah. and, and suffering that led to ultimate death. Right. So they didn't want to just, this, you know, here we are today, you know, we look at our prison systems and say, oh, man, you know, yeah. they got TV. We're going to cut their TV off. This, we... this is, think the opposite. <laughs> this is, you're, you're fixed to get beat whooped and and we're going to take care of this because it's amazing that this happened over someone who's innocent to to go through this but all that you just described al and i read this while i was listening to the sermon to make sure you know i didn't read this out of a book or whatever right they were basically mocking and flogging and hitting him based on two questions you claim to be a prophet so they were like they blindfolded him slapped him who hit you? Who hit you? Yeah, prophesy so, about that, that. That bothered them that you claim that you can predict something, which I think, well, that's what bothers people about Jesus today. Whenever you bring him up as supernatural, people like, well, well, wait a minute, they attacked that, and then they attacked him being king, yep. which is what led to the thorns and the robe, putting yep. a robe on him. And so I thought that was interesting. Really, all the brutality in that, the mocking, the scourging, was was coming from a disdain of you think you're a king and a prophet. We're the Roman Empire. Welcome to hell. Yeah. I mean, here's what we do. We're king and we're prophet. If anybody's a prophet, we'll tell you what's going to happen. You're fixed to get whooped. 
And so that, to me, is is an underlying theme in this process. Right. And, you know, Pilate, the discussion they had back and forth is interesting because Jesus told Pilate, he was like, the ones who turn me over to you, they're guilty of a greater sin, yep. which was interesting because he, he was like, these people should know better. They, they've been They've been expecting me. But you, and then then he's like, well, don't, and then when he goes in for the second interrogation, he Pilate says, "Don't you know I have the power to crucify you or let you live?" And he says, "You have no power other than what's been given to you from above." Yeah. In other words, he's letting him know you think you're in charge here, but you're not. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I thought was really powerful because there's no way. And look, Pilate did not want to kill him. And you remember this weird thing: <clears throat> Pilate's wife, she sends word down to Pilate, "Don't." Don't have anything to do with this man because I had a dream. Yeah. I had a dream that has caused me great suffering, she yeah. said, concerning yeah. this man. That was really interesting to me that, like, whatever happened in that, she had some sort of prophetic, you know, yeah, dream. Yeah, I think we talked about that the week that, that Zach was here, but how God would work in dreams. And he, even Phil and I shared some of our experiences where you wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, where's the pen? You know, yeah. I have some spiritual thought that that came to me, which you got to remember: the Holy Spirit doesn't sleep. That's right. Now we may be sleeping, and and even in this and case, one doesn't either. <laughs> well, right. And even in this case, when it said when he said the day God died, got to remember God is eternal. He Jesus said, "I am life." The whole reason he became a man to to have this shell that could be tortured and persecuted and flogged and ultimately crucified. The reason he did all that is so that he could die for for our sins. Correct. And the ultimate motivation, which he really starts zeroing in, you'll notice the last three or four chapters of John, you start hearing that love mentioned, which he mentioned it to Nicodemus in that famous conversation in the middle of the night where he said, for God so loved the world. A few of them, the Roman soldiers... They went from we're 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 experts at dispensing pain, but even some of them said at the point of him being crucified, none of the rulers of this age understood it. This hidden secret wisdom that's been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age, including Pilate. Pilate wasn't sitting there, Al, thinking, you know, there may be a chance this this guy's gonna, this guy really is the one who's gonna remove my sin right. by 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 me having him crucified. He 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 was not thinking like that. No, he's thinking like a politician. I that, mean, that, he, that's right. He he was thinking, how do I get out of this with the least amount of trouble? That's right. And ultimately, his sins going to Jesus' original point about you know does all mankind sin? What do you sin? Whatever. But but he was sitting there. That question never entered his mind. But you know it is interesting. He didn't. He thought end of the line for this. Whoever yeah, this is, right? You know, some kind of says he's a prophet and a king. I mean, it's the same ha ha right. that we see among politicians yeah. today. If somebody right. whispered, they don't really believe. If it. his wife would have whispered in his ear, he he's doing this for you. Yeah yeah yeah. He yeah. loves you. Yeah. He's like he said what? Well, look, it's the same response that we. That when we share Jesus, especially with some of these Hollywood types that we've had, all it, the people it's a, I've it's shared a looking with. down. Yeah, it's a looking down, saying, "What, what?" All of the people <laughs> I've told about Jesus, hey, the vast majority look they, for whatever reason. What's well, absurd? They're saying to them, "No, can't happen." Let's let's take a break. So uh, one of our sponsors is a, is a group called Scoremaster. They have a website, and basically they have um, they have these credit scientists that have discovered an algorithm that super boosts people's credit score. Which means you have to have a score. That's right. You had to have a Nobody score. Nobody plays a game that I'm interested in without a score. <laughs> you got to have a number. Got to have a number. That's exactly right. Oh, let's just play. And so, what credit? What, what you need a credit score higher for is it helps you get a better deal on a loan. So you're talking about saving yourself money over the course of a loan. Unfortunately, we'd all like to live in a world where we didn't have to get loans, but you know, to buy a home or to buy things, many times we do. So basically, the average person 
um, can you can add sixty one points in twenty days or less. It's and, like it's like five touchdowns in the two minute drill. There you go. And so that that would save you nine grand on a car loan, save you a hundred grand over the life of a, a, a home loan. So if you need to have a loan, uh, need to get your credit score up, you can enroll in minutes. You just go to scoremaster.com slash fill, the scoremaster.com slash fill. Touchdown, onside kick, repeat. <laughs> but it's a replay of what we're we're reading here, especially people with money and power. Why do they need Jesus? But it is interesting that Pilate, you know, it's not in John, one of the other Gospels. He didn't seem to like well, it. He didn't. And the well, remember, didn't, remember he brings, he's a politician. They now. brings the basin out, though, <laughs> and he washes his hand. Makes a big deal about washing his hands. Like, yeah. hey, now here's the deal. This isn't on me. Yeah. Just, yeah. y'all remember, I, I wanted to set him loose. That's I see right. politicians do it every day. Oh, they do right. these quirky illustrations of like, wasn't me. That's right. And they blame the other and side. And guess what? That's why nothing gets done right. good. It, it ends in, in trouble because he just blame shifted and got out from under it. But when you think about the details, which is all he focused, in, focused on, which was his point, which is my point, people like to distance themselves from the barbaric nature of what Jesus did on the cross because it's uncomfortable. And he made an illustration that he said, I know Christian people who wouldn't let their kids watch The Passion of the Christ because yeah, it was rated, rated R. R. Which I was wondering, I was like, where's it going with this? Oh, he didn't sugarcoat it. He said, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> so I, I the, forced my kids I to go watch it. I said the exact same thing. Because, I argued with a sister at church. Because it, it was his point. And with the Romans, when they flogged somebody, they tied your hands up. And or tied your hands together and tied your head to a pole, and the little whip they had had multiple strands of leather, and at the end of it had like bone or lead, or yeah. it wasn't like it was a whip that just left some red marks. I mean, these things were designed to Rip take flesh all the off flesh your off your body. That's why in Isaiah fifty three it said his body was marred. Yeah. Beyond human appearance, human uh, likeness. You yeah, human like. Well, he, it was just a. The most gruesome. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, there's meat because they, but they want to keep you alive till the end. And so I, I'm trying to to say that when it becomes personal, when you look at the mistakes you made, that you made. Now you can blame the way you were raised or your environment, and all these things, but there comes a time in your life where you make bad decisions, and all of a sudden you come across a book that is historically accurate and tens of thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have changed their life based on what they read here and experienced this. You, you, four billion have read about it. That's how many Bibles have been sold. Three point five billion. And then you see way more than any other book ever written. See God becoming a man. And then in doing that, when he didn't have to, he could have literally zapped everybody instantaneously. Plus, he was predicting it over and over and over and over. This is going to happen. By the way... Which is, Phil, what I'm saying. He chose to experience that love. This was love in action. And there's probably more gruesome ways that have been invented to die. But the point was, this was gruesome to the 10th power. But it was based on the first 18 chapters of everything he did was to try to heal relationships, to stop prejudice, to forgive, to start over, to help the sick, the help the poor, to give good guidance. Make Everything he did was to be a peacemaker. Yep. And, and they and slaughtered him anyway. And slaughtered him. And what's what's interesting is he knew obviously because he kept saying why he came here to die, but they never they could not out argue him. They had no answers for him, which is why they started hitting him in the mouth. Because uh, none of the rulers of the age understood it. For it, if they had, they would not have crucified him, the Lord of glory. However, it is written: Look, no eye has seen, no ear has heard think about it this was a one-time unveiling yep he wasn't there 
Now, a lot of predictions, Jesus is coming, to use old Jesus' famous line, but when he finally arrived, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Yep. And, and, and for most people, even Jesus becoming flesh, God in flesh, dying on a cross, being buried and raised from the dead. Even that, most people, right? the majority of people, you know, the parable of the sower, a farmer sows the seed. The seed is the, what he's going to do for mankind. Yep. That's what give he them life and immortality, remove <clears throat> their sin and raise them from the dead. You, you would think they would be running as wild people to get in on that. But, but well, he why des- is it such a hard well, sell? Well, he huh? describes why in that parable. He said the the things of this life are more important to them. Some of them just, you know, as soon as they hear it, they just, you know, snatched away. They just they just don't even care. I mean, you're just not even thinking about well, it. Well, you know? but people don't want to take responsibility for their actions. <laughs> you know, in our world, being held accountable, being people of integrity or honesty, I mean, it's so difficult to do anyway. Well, then when, that's why I asked that question. Did, did you kill Jesus? Well, most people are going to say, no, I didn't have anything to do with that. By the way, Jason, <laughs> why, why, why are you there? One of the things that has always been a little bit intriguing for me is that pre, pre-resurrection, during the crucifixion, after they got done with him, I mean, he was marred beyond human likeness. It was just a pile of shredded, beaten flesh. Correct. Three days later, they're running around. The tomb's empty. Peter and John, what in the world going on? The women. And then no one could really recognize him. Mm. So whatever body he came forth with, they didn't say, oh, that's Jesus there. At first, they were just, and I've always wondered but then I got to thinking about it. I said, "Well, you beat somebody to a pulp, and and then he's uh, <laughs> well. Uh, he then he uh, receives a glorified body. I think this body had some bells and whistles that we're not yet familiar <laughs> with. <laughs> well, I've well, always wondered. I gravity, said, "What exactly did he look like after that beating?" Well, well, he, and he had multiple true. things he looked like. I mean, to, to remember, he's now, walking. Now you could still see because he told Thomas. He said, "Now look right here." Well, I think it had the capacity. To That's show what you I think. what it used to be, yeah, and what it is, and what it will. Because he be. was walking along, talking with two of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember Luke twenty four. Yeah, but it said and their they, appearance, his appearance, was held from them. That's right. So they didn't. Know, they yeah, were I've walking always, along. I've always wondered about that because you remember they said. So then all of a sudden, right before he vanishes, they see him, and they're like, "I knew it had to be." You know, didn't you feel burning inside? You know, when he was talking to us. So it's like. They knew it was familiar, but they, I mean, somehow he hid his appearance. You know, that glorified well, body, I think, Jace, would I be correct in saying he was no longer, as as the Bible says, flesh and blood. Something As we understand it. Yeah. yeah. But it was flesh and blood in a sense that it was still a body. Yeah. You know, when you go through that 1 Corinthians 15, right. it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It yeah. there's like seven it's there in First Corinthians fifteen, like yeah. which 50, is a very convincing truth because a lot of people uh, incorrectly, you know, we believe, teach that you 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 don't, it's not flesh that there's some sort of spiritual resurrection. But, but they're right did, in a way. Eat fish. It, is. it wasn't. He the, ordered something to eat and yep. he ate it. Well, that's just downright. <laughs> That's just awesome. <laughs> I, I've said that in many a sermon. I was like, he didn't eat post resurrection. He didn't eat fish because he had to. He did it because he wanted to. And then you, he you, could. You know, you totally changed my worldview because you've been to Israel. I haven't. When you said you saw Apollos's catfish in the Sea of Galilee, Loaded. I was like, no wonder. Loaded. I mean, and a lot of these people are not eating them because they're not kosher. That's right. Which I thought, no, that's humorous. That's a God humor that only a true fisherman would get. <laughs> that's right. Because now you have the greatest meal swimming around. Jesus left you a Not president. only is there a mighty throng that does not know Jesus, there is a mightier throng that does not understand the flavor 
and the texture of an Opelousas catfish. The belly made okay. on a knot. It's I mean, a secret. It is. That's, I agree. Let's take another break. So, Dad, you probably don't know this, but you may be overpaying on your car and home insurance. <laughs> I don't think he would know it, but Kay would whisper yeah, it in his ear. Yeah, I'm, I'm really into that. You know. <laughs> I know that you're always checking that out. But the time I ask about insurance is when something tears up or blows up. And I said, you got insurance on that? I asked Ms. Kay. Like a traco or yeah. something like that, right? Yeah. So there's a, there's a company called Gabby Insurance, G-A-B-I, Gabby Insurance. Uh, and basically, they go out and do the shopping for you on the website. They check out and see who has the best insurance. So it's them looking, and you don't have to spend so much time doing it. So basically, they've saved $961 per year on average for people that use them. So obviously, they're pretty good. Um, if you uh, have some insurance needs, check these guys out. See how much they can save you. Uh, go to their website, Gabby, com slash unashamed. That's com slash unashamed, and see if you can uh, save yourself some money on insurance. And that's the point. You know, how do you know? It's hard to know what you don't know, which is what this does. If you think about what happened on the cross and you looked at what everybody in the world, because we've already established the fact this was for everybody, every single person that ever was, that is, and that ever will be. So when you encounter the cross of Jesus, there's a, 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 a courtroom that happens wherever you're at and you have to make an announcement. Are you guilty of causing this? Because if he died for the sins of the world, it's that's going to come down into your lap here. Which is, here's what's interesting about this. If you say guilty, then he's going to say not guilty because what I did. I'm I'm going to deem you not guilty. But I'm saying as human beings, a lot of us will hear Jesus or never even pursue Jesus because they say, I'm not guilty. I, I don't believe in that. Yep. I don't believe my sin had anything to do with this mythical creature that y'all have created named Jesus. So they say, I'm not guilty. So, you know, what we do in our Bible studies is say, well, are you guilty of anything? Well, yeah. And so then you're going down a road where where's the justice going to be for this, even in a in a non-God believing world? Yeah, and, well, and, a few and soldiers, can, doesn't it record a few soldiers said, Surely this was the Son of God. Yeah, so, once he died, yeah, there was... Something, what, what have we done here? Well, and a lot happened while he was up there. Listen, this is, to your point, Jay, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, which is yep. to your point. And he has committed us to this message. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We're in the perfect one, and he fixed away beginning with the cross. And once we are in Jesus, the one who was crucified for us, He's the perfect one, and we are viewed by God as perfect because we're in him, and he well, is in us. And the power of the cross is this next verse, which is my, one of my favorite in the whole Bible, verse 21, 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness Basically, of God. Basically, this yes. is what you deserve. Right. Well, there's two points I wanted to say based on you reading that. One is I didn't come up with the guilty, not guilty. That wasn't my illustration. I got that from John 12, which we studied before in verse 31 and 32. He said, now, this is pre-cross, but he says, now is the time for judgment on this world. What is judgment? Guilty or not guilty? I, But I, verse 32, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. Correct. And then 33 says, he said this to show the kind of death 
that he was going to die. So you got judgment coming on the world, and he says, when I'm lifted up on a cross, I'm going to draw all men to myself. Because you've got to ask yourself a question. Are you guilty or not guilty? That That's why it draws all men. Because everybody to, has to face that question. And everybody sins. Yeah. I, if I could just run up on one adult who said, nope, not happen. Now, that, I haven't that means, run up on that. That. Mean, that means they're a liar and they just sinned again. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. The other point I want to make is, Al, about the God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. I think in these seven statements, which you know we don't, we're not going to go through all of them in detail today, but if you introduce them, one of them, y'all probably have a different opinion. The most controversial statement he made was the, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. That's Matthew 27, 46. Yep. A lot of people have trouble with that because they're like, well, what happened to this? He knew this was going to happen. This was the plan. So my response would be, and here's what I think, based on you reading that, I was going to bring up that Serapentence 5. I believe when he became sin for us, you have this this kind of response. Because basically that's what we you know, cry out in our own sin. You know, we, we were like, well, why have you forsaken me? Well, because our sin separates us from God. So in this moment, you know, when you go back to how Jesus got here, he empties himself, going back to what I said earlier about the only way he could die was to become a man. And here in this moment, just in this moment, if Second Corinthians 5 is true, if you take it literally, it said God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us. And I think this one statement captures that moment. Because in that moment, he became our our, our sin. And you say, well, why, do you, why is he saying, why have you forsaken me? Because God is can't coexist with sin. So we have a moment where part of the Godhead dies. Yep. Now, it was impossible for him to stay dead, Acts 2 when Peter preached that sermon, because he's God. And he proved that when what we said when he got the spirit that raised him from the dead. He's walking through walls, showing his scars. He's eating fish, though he don't have to. He's flying, disfiguring his appearance. He's doing all kind of stuff. The law, and to your point, the reason we know he was proven that he died, because <clears throat> there's been a theory called the swoon theory that's been around since the first century, that he didn't really die. He just passed out. The, but to me, it, the three days that's of a, burial. That's, that's the three days. Which is why the burial was important. It I, is. I, the burial gets, it, it gets neglected, that's right. and wrongfully so. That's right. Number one, three days, because I've heard people, I, I've studied with people, and I'm not making fun of them, but I kind of am, <laughs> and they'll sit down, and I'll share Jesus, and they'll say, well, yeah, but, you know, I've look, I've died seven times. Well, my first thought is you're crazy <laughs> or perhaps mistaken. And they'll, their religious experience is like they died on operating table seven times. And I'm like, all that proves to me is that you're tough or at, at best. Yeah. But one day, guess what? You're, you're, let's say you have nine, do it nine times. One day it's going to run out. <laughs> And, by, and, by the, and, but the you way, see what I'm, 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 okay. I'm getting. By the at. way, I've run up on one individual, one, in my 45 years of following Jesus and pointing to the cross. I've run up on one of them, one human being. I've been into prisons and I remind them. I say, "Do you know what brought you here? All of them. The women are over there under cyclone fence. You know, fencing." Right. You're not climbing this fence. The women were this over. This was at the prison? Over, this was at prison. One of my, the, the group on my left were all women, and the ones right in front of me were all men. I said, what brought you here is your sin. I said, is there anybody out there among you who has never sinned? If you've never sinned, because that's what got you in here, raise your hand. If you've never sinned, I'm looking over there. I'm looking at several thousand people. I looked all around, all human beings, not a one raised their hands. They all pretty well said. Oh, I thought you were going to say somebody raised their hand. No, I, I said if if one of you, just one of you, had raised your hand and said, "Well, I've never sinned," 
I said, you're a liar, which is a sin. Yeah. I said, but, but fortunately for you, you spoke the truth. So one of the things I, I love is some of our sponsors kind of have a you know monthly thing. They send us you know, our coffee and all these different things. And one of the companies is called Bespoke Post, which is really interesting. And they, they, they call what they send a box of awesome. You see their Bespoke Post. So when I see one come in the mail, I'm like super excited about it because I know something truly awesome is going to be in there. This is like for men's gifts. And so this one is one you guys can appreciate. Oh, Check really? out that knife. You talk about an edge on that thing. That is awesome. It's awesome. It's got the little leather sheath that goes with it. Super sharp. Good good knife to clean stuff with for whatever. They also have uh, grooming things, uh, uh, cooking tools, outdoor gear. Box of awesome. You definitely want to check these guys out. So here's what you do. It's free to sign up. You can skimp a month or you can cancel anytime you want to. So if you love the awesomeness like me, You'll want to check these guys out. Boxofawesome.com. Boxofawesome.com. Use the code Phil. You're going to get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up. So that's boxofawesome.com. Enter the code Phil. Save 20% and get some really cool stuff. (laughs) But the guy I ran up on, Al, and he said, wait a minute. Wait, whoop, whoop, whoa, whoa. He said, I'm an alcoholic, and he started with that. And I said, well, sin's a problem, man. He said, wait a minute. He said, I've never sinned. I said, oh, you've sinned. For 30 minutes before I told him about the cross that Jesus died on for his sin, mm-hmm. I tried to convince him. I would just give him scriptures, all of sin, fallen short of the glory of God. He said, nope, you ain't putting that on me. I don't believe it. And I tried for 30 minutes to get him to admit he had sinned. He said no. The guy that brought him, Macmillan, brought him down there. I said, well, i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach the gospel to you and what Jesus did for your sins that you say you don't have. I said, you won't admit you have sins. I said, I'm going to tell you what Jesus did for the ones who will admit it. Mm. And I told him, I said, I'm going to preach the gospel anyway. Well, I did. He leaves. He said, no. Nope. He walked out the door. Nope. Nobody's going to tell me I'm going to sin or I'm going to die. He said, I'm not going to do either. Nope. So he lasted about, I'd say six weeks later, McMillan called and said, you know, the guy that said he's never sinned, he's not going to die. I said, I remember him. I said, that's tough, tough one there. He said, he just did. (laughs) I said, sinned or died? Died. He said, Mm. he said, he just died. I said, Man, that was like the last chance for him. He, six weeks later, I said, how did he die? He said, knife to death in a bar. I said, I tried sure to tell him six sin. weeks ago. I tried to tell him. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to I'm gonna go out on a limb True story. and say there was some sin involved that led to the knife in the bar. Yeah. You, usually you don't have yeah. knife fights in bar unless there's some sin. <laughs> yeah, bad yeah. behavior involved. Yeah, that's sad. And isn't that sad yeah. that he had an opportunity? I never forgot that. By the way, I said, you know what? Sometimes God gives them a last, last chance to say, you know, well, that's what's weird. You know, I, the one guy God made him yeah. had no sin to be sinned yeah. for. So that's you know. weird. The one guy I studied with that said he wasn't going to die. Me and a buddy would, and you know, you're immediately thinking, what, what, what? You know, how do you? He's like, no, I'm not gonna die. That's what he said. And so I, well, no, I'm saying I had a different one. Oh, did you? And yeah, and weirdly enough, he he died a few weeks later, also in some freak accident. And I just thought, after hearing that, you don't want to go around saying you're not gonna die. That's right. That's probably a good. Which, way to by die. the way, just for people listening to us, because I know our audience just keeps getting bigger. Somebody's, I'm sure, listening that probably has not accepted Christ and become a believer. But the reason you may be listening to this podcast is because this is your opportunity to make a move. Yeah. Just like we've described with these two gentlemen that didn't. We're giving you know, them true stories. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, because well, we can get in on this. You know, I think what you got to remember is that the way we started this, even the conversation in the podcast, and the way all the Gospels lay out, and I mean what's known as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all start with who God is in Jesus. Now, they all end, and of course, they give different accounts of things he did. And then John makes maybe a joke about this. I'm not sure if it was a joke or not, saying, 
we just have a few things written down. If all of them were written down, wouldn't be enough books in the world to hold them. So he obviously he did way did, more. Did, did amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, you want to talk about a library? Go visit the Jesus Library of Unlimited Books. But he my, is my, our calendar documents that we are counting time by Jesus Christ. I don't yeah. care what anybody says. But my point is. The way he died, even though that's what we're talking about in the medical account, is very moving. Who he is is more important. He is the Son of God. He is innocent. He does love us. So when they put him on a cross, yes, it was graphic, but the the reason that it moves us is because what you read heading up to the cross allows you to fall in love with him. And realize that he's right about everything in life. You want some a secret way to a successful life? Just take everything he ever said and put it into your life. That's right. Whether you're trying to obtain salvation or heaven, or God, you just want to be more successful. Try. It's amazing how awesome it actually works. Right. So I mean, and some of the little details of it i mean i think about this prayer that he prayed right before he's arrested i mean you're just he's just bearing his heart and he starts off which i think humorously talking in the third person because we always we get annoyed by when people do that well you can talk in the third person if you are actually three people <laughs> you know and nobody ever says that but i'm like yeah well how's he praying you know they put in my bible the heading jesus prays for himself i'm like roll my eyes. i'm like because they're like yeah. we can't really understand this so we'll just try yeah he's kind of speaking in the third person here i'm like well he's a complicated person <laughs> well yeah, so. and he knew everything we've been talking about he had to do and look i mean even if you're God, to go through what he went through. It had all been written. And to take that sin. So so I want to mention, let's take a break. I want to mention, Jay, since you brought it up, Matthew 28, that, that statement he made, and dive into that a little bit more because there's a couple of things that I think are important about that. I agree with you that he had to be forsaken. In other words, he had to take on the sin. Yeah, because sin entered the arena, right. uh, the payment for it. Uh, that Second Corinthians 5 is the greatest lead-in ever. Right, Because right. it says he had no sin, but he became sin for us. Well, he didn't commit one. Right. So That's what does right. he mean? But there were two. He, there were two, he had them all on his back There were two practi- There were two practical reasons why he said it. And if you, if you read the text that it's at, it says from the sixth hour, this is Matthew 27, 45, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. So there was a, a solar eclipse, I guess, that lasted three hours. It just went dark in this moment, which remember he kept talking about the light of the world, the light of the world. The world just went dark in the moment, and there's, I think that's because significant. Because he said he is light. That's right. Well, it went, got dark. He said he is life. Right. And, and he died. <laughs> so about the ninth hour, Jesus cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which, by the way, is a prophetic verse that David first said way back in Psalm 22. So that was another reason why he said it, because you read Psalm 22, and the whole psalm is is a prophetic about Jesus. There's a lot of prophetic things he does there. So he was saying that also to describe, this. Is, I'm the one. I mean, so he's not just talking to God, but he's also talking to everybody else. See, that's that's why the prophecy yeah. was fulfilled. So there was more than just one reason why he said it. One reason was he took on the sin of the world. Second reason is, and I can take on the sin of the world, which is in yeah. that darkness, the which I thought was powerful. qualifications to do that, nobody else is qualified. No. No. Because you'd have to be creator, no big enough. sustainer, exactly. innocent. I mean, it, it's... This this story is so hard to wrap your head around that that you know we're having trouble with it. I mean, like in my simple mind, it doesn't bother me when he said, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Because I'm understanding the sin angle. But you're right. But also, one of the other statements he made on the cross was he looked over at the thief and said, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." Well, I'm like, well, what happened to this? Why are you forsaken? forsaken me he knows it's gonna be okay right which takes me back to what happened with lazarus in john 11 
he wept when he saw everyone upset. So in the moment, as a human, he was upset. You're watching a movie, everybody's crying, or or even at a funeral where someone you love, sometimes it's not what you're thinking. You just look and see somebody you love crying. Well, that makes you cry. That's right. So that's he had that moment, but he knew, he raised him five minutes later. Well, what was all this crying about? And so that's why I think him being God and human simultaneously and doing an act of love I think this is why you get statements that seem to be in contrast with each other. But if you kind of look at it for who he is and all the details that led to this moment, it kind of makes sense. Well, and especially when you throw in this this dark time, because you remember what he told him when he looked at the crowd that came to get him. He said, you know, you've been following me around for three years, you know. And then he says, but this is your hour when darkness reigns. And so he knew in his death it was dark. And you think about it, for, the, for three days, and when he dies, and the last thing was, it is finished, which we'll talk about next time. But when, he, when it ends, that's the three darkest days in human history was this three days. Because mm-hmm. you, you think about it, God had come here and died. I mean, think about those three days. I mean, everybody's, all his followers are huddled up and hidden, you know, thinking that they're next. And, and we, the resurrection is just around the corner. But for three days, it's darkness. I mean, like, it, I it, think that perfectly represents what goes on in human beings' lives, those outside of Christ and those in. It's basically a three day drunk or a party. Yep. That's what you get. Yep. Compared to an eternal yeah. existence of, Sheer bliss, even though there might be some bumps along the way in this this life, because right. even Jesus set the precedent here. You know, Isaiah fifty three, right after the part we read last time, surely he took up our infirmities, he carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. And all these verses you'll read later, you know, Peter brings it up when he's talking about it looking back. But, I mean, so this has all been laid out thousands of years before he got here. And the arguments they keep coming up with, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for... You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with these fruitless deeds of darkness. You, so Jesus makes a pretty good point there, you know, from light to dark, from darkness to light. That's a big event for any human being. Yeah, and that's why he experienced death in human. Now, the one thing he is that... Remain, which is why I think he said the greatest of these qualities is love, is love. Love even reigned during the darkness, which is why you get to Romans 5, while mm-hmm. we were sinners, I was Christ, the same Christ died for us. So, so that, because that comes back to the motivation, which look, it's interesting. Here's this conversation with Nic- Nicodemus, who was not this big hellion that you would think of, most of the time we think Jesus died for the sins of the world. We're thinking about the prisons. But here's a religious guy that he just flat out rebuked. You know, he comes to him at night, you know, secretively. Hey, you know, what do we do? Because he wanted to still try to hold his position. Oh, and we yet, got some yeah. pilot moves going on uh-huh. here. You know, he don't want to get, get the church house upset. <laughs> That's right. But this old boy seems to have some kind of power, so let's check him out. And he And so Jesus tells him the last thing any of us would ever tell a church leader, you need to be born again. Start over. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. <laughs> Come up from the fires of hell and, yeah. and join us. Well, you know, most church leaders, what are they going to do if you tell them that? They're going to say, well, who are you? What are you crazy? What? You're out here in a tent. <laughs> you don't have anything. But you notice that when Jesus died, and Tommy made this point, Nicodemus was one of the two guys that they said, we, we, we want to wrap that body. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of things that 
that is not said in between chapter 3 and chapter 19 about Nicodemus that you can go ahead and, and assume. Yep. That question about you need to be born again and the Spirit works kind of like the wind and God so loved the world and here's the verdict. I mean, it transformed his life. You do have one other little pop-up in, at the end of John 7. He sort of defends Jesus. Remember he said, well, yeah, you know, that's right. so you had that, so you're, you're, you're right. You were watching Nicodemus become a believer. I I, you know, it. he had to be just a rock oh, post Jesus, you know, for oh, the yeah. early church. Cause, cause he knew, you know, he, well, he think of the Christ. flack he took for going oh. and wrapping the body. They're like, what do, you, what do you care about that joker for? He's that's dead. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, went, he was, I know. Well, that was a, that, that basically I'm sure ended is whatever he was before. Well, it, look, I've made the same argument. I'm like, whoever y'all are following, if he's dead, I'm not interested. <laughs> Which is basically what all his other religious cohorts are now saying. Yeah. Which is now, really interesting, Dad, to see current Marxism, Karl Marx. I mean, why do you want to follow that guy? You know, he's been dead for 100 years. I mean, like, you look at these... I've worked on my tack, but, you know, when people knock on my door... I read all of his writings and said... What did this guy do for a living? I mean, there's I couldn't find anything about he ever held a job. Well, no, that's well, look, the problem. I used to have when people used to knock on doors, which now they don't. But you know, now you go get a gun, but because <laughs> coronavirus, you know, right. they're knocking on your door. Well, don't knock on this my guy's door. trying to rob me. That's right. But back when we used to answer the door, you know, these people who are, would would share their religion, mm-hmm. and I always ask the same question. Of course, they'd say, "We well, we'd like to talk to you about whatever." I was like, well, I, I want to talk to you about Jesus. And if there was a conflict over that statement, and I always did the same thing, which Missy would roll her eyes because it usually turned into a two-hour discussion you know, in the living room. But I would stop everything because I'm like, you knocked on my door and want to talk to me about whatever, which is fine, but I want to talk to you about Jesus because you're in my house. <laughs> and I always had the same question because if they – were bothered by that. I was like, look, if you're following someone who's dead, I'm out. I don't care what his name is. I don't care what the story is. I'm going to save you a speech. And look, that ended some of the conversations. Of course, I would try to to get Jesus in there. And the same thing with the trick-or-treating. You know, they're like trick-or-treating. I'm like, I'm going to give you some candy. I want to tell you something better than candy. You know, give them a little Jesus Sermon. Look, and if you don't like it, guess what? Next year, don't knock on my door. The parents <laughs> no, are making no candy for you. <laughs> You're gonna get some candy, and he's gonna tell you about Jesus. <laughs> I love it. All right, so next time we're gonna go through those other statements because there's some interesting things that he said, and all of them have a significant meaning. Uh, before we kind of leave this this uh, concept of the cross, good stuff. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube and be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.